it got a little bit scary at the end. And in some ways, it was almost the reverse of what we saw against the New York Knicks. Tonight, the Atlanta Hawks come with a furious rally at the end of this game. And in somewhat similar circumstances, the Bucks were able to close it out and you take it on the road. Interesting game from Giannis. His scoring has been down lately. Drew Holiday has been clutched late in games, though. So there's plenty to talk about. We're going to break it all down. Let's get started. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win Monday to Friday, and also find my work over at ESPN. And alongside me, the founder of Brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. As the Bucks do beat the Hawks 114 to 105, back to back wins on the road, back to back games where you're feeling a little bit anxious in the last uh, couple of minutes here. But Milwaukee were able to close it out. Uh, interestingly enough, they were able to close the Knicks game and this game out with some jump shots, which you love to see because it hasn't been exactly a staple of this team over the last. Uh, month or so here we thank you for making locked on bucks your first watch or first listen of every single day and i had a couple of people reach out yesterday unfortunately i had some work stuff i really just needed to clear the slate i couldn't quite podcast we'll make it up to you we'll do something on the weekend coming up here and we'll get you that extra podcast no doubt about that thanks for joining us live in the comments thanks for subscribing uh and uh really just supporting us frank we uh people get uh definitely excited for these post-game shows so the Bucks are up 24 points in the third quarter. And this, in a lot of ways, is the modern-day NBA. Let's just say you can have a 15-plus point lead, but if there's still a quarter and a half or longer to go with the way teams shoot the three, they can get back into it pretty quickly. But when Milwaukee went down and there's a couple of minutes to go, they were able to close this one out. And let's face it, if the Bucks are a contender as they think that they are and we think they can be, uh, these are the types of wins you have to get. And it's pretty reassuring based on what we've seen over the last month. <laughs> I was I'm not with joking. You. I am I not joking. I, I was with you until you wrapped it up by saying pretty reassuring. Um, you don't think re- so? Reassuring is not the energy I come away from that game, but interesting. Before we get to Giannis, who like Giannis is my favorite athlete of all time. But I'm we get it. Like, you love the stats, I'm, Frank, but you don't I'm, need to like go too negative here. I'm, I'm really pissed off at just like the season-long inability to do anything outside the restricted area. But let's park that for a moment. Drew Holiday, Brooke Lopez, thank you guys for stepping up. And Javon Carter, who we also have talked about as a guy that has really struggled over the past, you know, six weeks, call it, or so, um, hit a couple of huge shots in the fourth quarter when the ship was – Maybe not sinking, but the ship was leaking, and they didn't. Bucks didn't have enough, you know, fingers to all the various holes. It felt like um, he stepped up and showed no fear. I think what he hit four out of seven threes tonight. Maybe maybe he was due to, to hit some threes, given the way that that his shooting has looked uh, for the past while. But they absolutely needed what they got from Javon Carter and you know Drew Holiday, twenty seven points on ten to twenty one shooting. Did have five turnovers, but. Uh, Again, when, you know, it wasn't quite the Knicks game where, you know, I mean, just the shooting display at the end of that Knicks game was was crazy. 
but Drew was also more consistent tonight overall than he was against the Knicks, where it really wasn't until like the last few minutes that it seemed like he found some rhythm. But um, Drew Holiday sticking it to his younger brothers, uh, as he's done so often. Justin didn't play tonight. Uh, Aaron started and I'd say didn't distinguish himself. But uh, Drew showing showing his lesser brothers kind of what what his his uh, he's not the biggest brother, right? Justin's the oldest, but um, given given some big brother. Uh, action to uh, to the little the little fellas uh, and Brooke Lopez. I mean, I looked at it, you know, it's funny. Another twenty and twelve night from Brooke Lopez. Brooke Lopez tonight. Um, I think when the Bucks went down one, what was it one hundred three, one hundred one? I want to say, I believe it was Brooke that came back and knocked down a big three. I think it was from the corner to give the Bucks back the lead, which they did not relinquish. And they go on. I think it was what like a ten zero or twelve zero run from there on out. And, um, you know, basically put the game away. And I would say that part, if we want to talk about reassuring, I think the response was very good at that stage of the game in those last few minutes after they had, you know, kind of spent the better part of the fourth quarter and the end of the third quarter, really just sort of looking like a team that was just sort of surprised that they weren't just raining threes anymore, which they had done for the first two and a half quarters. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it was kind of the, uh, I mean, the two two single digit scoring nights from Giannis in three games is just insane, unreal, unprecedented given what we've seen from kind of the you know modern non rookie non second year version of Giannis. Uh, but fortunately, they got a big help from in the first half, just an awesome shooting performance. Which, funnily enough, they made fewer threes in the first half tonight than they did against Charlotte which still just really underscores how insane that Charlotte game was. They're losing by 24 and they hit 13 threes in the first half tonight. They hit 12 out of 24 and they're up 21 at halftime. Um, so again, I think second half, some of the turnover issues started to crop up and, you know, not just turnovers, but like pick six turnovers. I swear Joe Ingles only turns the ball over to create like fast break layups. But uh, fortunately, again, they kind of buckled down and against a Hawks team that, was missing Clint Capella that was missing Trey Young um, ruled out kind of this afternoon with a non COVID illness. The bucks uh, have now become the masters of almost blowing historic leads and then somehow kind of fighting back and, and managing to pull out games, which, Hey, beats beats losing those games. But um, you know, in the first going to that third quarter, you felt like, Hey, this is going to be like the most sort of comprehensive bucks win that they've had in basically a month, almost dating back to that Utah game that they kind of won in, in very convincing fashion, but on the floor where Zaza Pachulia uttered their famous words, nothing easy, nothing easy. The Bucks just couldn't make anything easy. So anyway, two and on the road trip. That's reassuring. That's, that's very good, especially going to Miami, which, you know, has been a tough place for the Bucks to play outside of the, that one playoff series. So um, again, I'm not going to complain too, too much about road wins these days because the Bucks really need them. And, you know, to get to 27 and 14 now at the midway point of the season, I think everybody would have taken that. And I think obviously there's specific issues, especially in the last two months that we can point to and be concerned about. But as far as just kind of keeping not just the ship afloat, but, you know, if within striking distance of the top of the East, um, it's not the not a bad place to be. And now I think the question is just, can you start to to get back to looking like the title contender that I think we still expect the Bucks to be? And, you know, we'll talk a little about Chris Milton as well, but at least some, some hopefully some daylight as well to 
potentially getting Chris Middleton back soon as well, which is sort of the thing we've all been waiting on. Yeah, and so I, I'm still sticking with reassuring. I don't care what you say, Frank, because here's the deal. Because I, I know, like, and we'll get into Giannis uh, next, because that's worth talking about. You tweeted the numbers. He's scoring his way down. But here's the thing. All season long, we've looked at Giannis, and yeah, he's on this tear, and he's getting 40-point games. He's getting high 30s. He's doing all this stuff. And I've been on this show saying he's doing too much, and you can point to the fact that the efficiency has been terrible outside the restricted uh, area. Again, I'll throw it to you for that conversation. But if you tell me that he's going to have seven points on the road in Atlanta, I'm like, well, you can't win the game. You, you can't win the game without Chris Middleton as well. So here's the thing. The last two games, you've been able to win because – the Bucks again, can't win the title unless Drew Holiday is knocking down some shots. He's getting to the free throw line. Uh, Brooke Lopez is making plays. And even Pat Connaughton. And Pat Connaughton was two for 10 for three in this game, which is pretty funny because he hit those first two in about the first 60 seconds of the game. And then he couldn't hit one. But he came out with a typical Pat Connaughton play where he gets that big offensive rebound. The Bucks are up by one. He skies up for the rebound, gets the putback. So all the guys, all the non-Yanis guys that you need to do stuff, like have done stuff in the last couple of games when it's been close late in the game. And I'll go to you for Giannis, but what I will say, he gets the 10 assists and you say, well, how does he get 10 assists? Because the Bucks actually knocked down some threes. He probably would get 10 a night if they were knocking down the threes. But late in the game, he wasn't scoring, but he was able to get that pass out to Brook for that corner three you mentioned. After that, he was able to get one to Javon Carter. He knocked down the three and the Carter one came off just an absolutely monstrous offensive rebound. So... Maybe not his best night. Still thought he had a pretty big impact in this game. But we'll talk about Giannis a bit more because people are definitely commenting uh, in the stream when it comes to him. I mean, let's face it. He just doesn't have too many seven-point nights. And uh, it's maybe a continuation of some offensive struggles against this Atlanta Hawks team uh, for sure as well. But when we started this podcast, you don't you think I, I didn't notice, Frank, but I absolutely noticed. It looked like you had a built bar in your hand. And let's talk about built bar, the best tasting protein I, bar. I, I, I debated actually, do I break out the victory built bar tonight? Like it felt like <laughs> did the Bucks deserve a, a built bar? But then I realized I deserved a built bar for sitting through that second half. So anyway, yes. On with the ad read, Kane. Coconut almond. That's my my uh my choice tonight as as it has been. And by the way, when it gets to Bilt Bar, we had someone comment on YouTube uh, last night. I saw it and they said, serious question. Does Frank have to eat on every podcast? And my response was, hey, sometimes if you've got a Bilt Bar within reach, you can't help yourself. You might not want to eat. You might not feel like you need to eat, but you know that you have to eat when a Bilt Bar is in reach. Because if you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and calories, then you've got to look at a Bilt Bar. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and coconut almond as well. And the good news is, you don't. You can go to built.com, but you don't have to go to built.com anymore. You can go to Walmart, you can go to Sam's Club, and you'll just pick yourself up. Maybe one box of a dozen. In my experience, you'll probably walk out with about 10 dozen built bars. That'll keep you going for approximately two weeks. So if you're close to a Sam's Club or Walmart, go in there, uh, check out Built Bar, or go to built.com uh, as well. All right. Let's get to the honest stuff, Frank. And I saw you tweeting a little bit. And you say this, you don't tweet a lot during the games. We know that, but... That's how mad I was. You seemed extremely agitated. Now, I would caution you not to be too negative here if you can help it. But Giannis finished the night with 3 for 10 shooting from the field. 
He had the 18 rebounds. He had the 10 assists. Only the one turnover, which you like to see. He was plus 15, a team high plus 15. He was Draymond Green tonight. He was basically uh, Draymond, which, you know, so there's whole, worse, th- there's so worse whole things to be than, there's worse <laughs> things to be than, than Draymond. But, um, you know, I, I Seven think... points. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing is, like, you know, okay, he averaged 43 a game for four games. Now he's at 13 a game for the last three games. Um again, whatever, over the course of a season, like you have ups and downs. I think what gives me pause is just, again, there's no confidence when he's shooting the ball outside of the restricted area right now. And it has been incredible how much he has been able to create shots at the rim for himself all year long. You know, you think of him like, oh, as he's getting older, he's going to settle for more jump shots. You know, he's going to have to kind of do less attacking because it just wears him down. And this year, even with the increased workload from Chris, being out he has still managed to shoot more at the rim he's got more dunks than he has had in years um and you know just obviously bearing a huge burden to do so sky high usage rate and to do that with the fact that you know again he's shooting 19 percent on shots in the in the paint that are not in the restricted area i mean that's it's kind of like mind-boggling like how does like anybody who has i mean Giannis has basketball skill right again I think people underrate his ball handling, his passing, his, you know, um, some of the non-shooting stuff, right? People always get hung up on the shooting, but even a bad shooter shooter should shoot better than 19%. You know, he was double that, at least. He was over 40% in that area last year. And suddenly this year, he's just cannot make a shot. If it's a jump hook shot, a little short jump shot, whatever it might be, just and it just feels like he knows that he can't, you know, it just feels like he's got the yips in that area. And obviously people focus on the free throw shooting, which again, he was bad tonight from the free throw line as well. Was he one for four, I think from the free throw line. Um, so, and they're all in the first half, but you know, again, like the free throw shooting, like, I, I don't know. I feel like he gravitationally gets, you know, like there's a gravitational effect on 70%. Like I think he'll be in that general range. He's not going to be, you know, 50% for a season or something like that, but the fact that we're halfway into the season and the three-point shooting is at like the worst level it's been in the bud era. The jump shooting is essentially the worst era level it's been at in the Bucks era. That's what gives me pause because the Celtics are going to give you those shots all series long, and they're not going to give you those those easy shots that that you know you get against the Wizards on the random night in January. So um I don't know. I mean, it just seems like he's been in his head. And if it was like, you know, a few weeks of that, I'm like, ah, fine, you know, stuff happens. Uh, but the fact that it's been half of an entire season now, and it just doesn't look like if you give him a post up, like if it's not, you know, a duck in and for a layup, just doesn't seem like he has any ability to make a shot. Um, I think it leads to situations like tonight where it's like, he just didn't take any shots in the second half. And I think in the third quarter, he was kind of like in like, it was almost like he was in like assist hunting mode. And he was like, ah, you know what? I'm going to spray it around. We're going to have some fun, get other guys involved, which is all fine and good. Uh, But in the fourth quarter, like, yo, dude, Bucks need you to actually like create some offense. Like we could actually use you going and putting your head down, getting the and scoring or, you know, again, taking a short shot and getting a bucket. And he couldn't do that, right? The only shot he made was off of one of those really nice Joe Ingles left-handed little flip up towards the rim alley you plays everything else yeah, i think he missed seven straight shots between them he made his, made his first two shots and then he missed i think seven straight shots and then he made that dunk for his last shot i think it was the last shot maybe he took another one that he missed after that but 
Um, but anyway, I mean, the problem is like, it's just, my point is it's been a theme all season long. And one of the things that made him so incredible during that playoff run that ended in championship was the fact that he started to really hurt teams in the post. He was showing actual like, you know, post moves. Think about the shot he hit in overtime of game seven, right? A little soft touch hook shot over Kevin Durant that tied the game and set up Chris Middleton to ultimately hit the deciding basket inside the final minute. And right now, like that shot is a fastball at the front of the rim or a shot just kind of hucked against the backboard. Like there just isn't confidence there. So again, I mean, nobody doubts his, his work rate, the effort, blah, 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 but he doesn't, he's not, it's not like he's like naturally talented at that stuff, but there's no way you'd think he'd be able to be this bad for such an extended period. And again, over the course of regular season, he can kind of battering ram his way to 30 points a game because he's that incredible. But in the playoffs, I just worry if he doesn't figure this out. And and again, not that he needs to get to like 50% on hook shots or something, but if he doesn't get way better than he is right now, I just feel like the bucks are going to be a team that are going to be a lot easier to stop. And again, tonight, thankfully it doesn't hurt you because you get enough from some of these other guys, but it's a problem. And again, it's kind of amazing that, it's taken this long for teams to to be able to slow him down as much as we've seen, especially in two of the last three games. I'm curious what you think about this. So, and for obvious reasons, that hook shot that you pointed to, hook shot, push up, whatever, uh, against Brooklyn in overtime when no one else could score is obviously a bucket I'll never forget. And he had that one that was kind of similar tonight. And people get always so frustrated about the Bucks' offense and it's kind of stagnant. There's not too much going on. It's like, okay, yeah, Drew Holiday might set, uh, set a high pick, something like that. Obviously, it helps when you're knocking down threes. But I saw the Bucks in the first half. It just looked like things were happening. Guys were zipping around a little bit more. Guys were moving without the ball. The stuff was happening quickly, which doesn't always happen with the Bucks. But I can't remember too many times... Like I think the problem is, and you might say, well, this is this is a Giannis problem. He needs to be able to use his strength and get to the spots that he wants to get to. But I never look at those shots. Like even that hook shot today, it's like he backs one guy down, then another guy comes over. He's got guys draped on him, and he tries to score over him. And you're like, okay, yeah, well, you're seven foot. You should be able to still get a good look. But I just never look at the shot and say, yeah, that was he was in a dominant position. That was a good look. It feels like every nineteen percent can nineteen percent. And I don't think. And I don't How? think that he's taking. Or I can tell you because I would shoot one percent if I was trying to shoot. He shot forty-three percent last year. How but do you go? I don't think he's getting good looks anywhere. I don't think he's getting good looks anywhere unless he's walking into a mid-range jump shot. And by the and way, he did shoot one those... today that only hit the background. Back yeah, around. he. I mean, he, he's been a little bit better of late for, on the mid-range jumper. It feels like he's shooting like line drives, like on the bottom, like he's on his way down shooting late. Like it doesn't look very comfortable, um, but. I mean, it's just, you can't be a 19%. <laughs> you you can, I mean, I think outside the restricted area overall, so this includes mid-rangers, non-paint stuff, and threes. I think I saw he's shooting 26%. It's the worst in the league. Literally the worst in the entire sport. I mean, you got to be better than this dude. And I know he's capable of it. We know he's capable. We know he's capable of being a better free throw shooter. You know, we've seen it. Um, and so, again, like, it. Again, like I think Eliza's commenting about like what well, he said, two bad games. I'm talking the entire season, 19% yeah, so, on those so shots the entire season. Is. And that is the shot, right? Like we've always talked about this. Like, well, you know, there was, it used to be like, well, you need to develop a three-point shot in the playoffs, like blah, blah, blah. And then we kind of were like, actually, no, he doesn't really need a three-point shot. It's really the mid-range shot. 
and, and the in-between stuff that he needs as a counter when he is getting the rim stuff taken away. And that's the problem. It's like we always are so used to Giannis just clockwork getting better, better every year. And that part of his game is just like hardcore regressed. And again, knock on wood, right? It's just it's kind of a funk three month thing. And the second half of the season, it's almost impossible for him to be worse. Um, but I don't know. It's just, it's just weird to see him kind of like in his own head. And I think in these kind of games like this, it's on the one hand, it's like, I like the fact that he hasn't become a guy that just like settles for a bunch of mid range jump shots. Um, but on a night like this, it just feels like he feels like, man, I can't do anything if I'm not sort of driving to the rim. And, and again, I mean, I don't know. I, I, we'll see my, I mean, to go to Miami for two straight, given the way Spolstra has been able to defend him over the years, I think is a great litmus test because if ever there was a team that has slowed him down, I think the, his previous single digit scoring game before the Charlotte game last came in Miami actually. So, um, so we'll see, you know, it's, it's definitely a bit of a gut check, but again, I mean, of course, the fact that you can do that and still win a game is, is awesome and huge and important for a Bucks team that, you know, you do not want to go further down in the standings in the East and you have a bit of an opportunity with KD for now to potentially make up some ground and hopefully duck ahead of the Brooklyn Nets. Um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> even if the Bucks winning a couple of games here, like you would like to obviously see the Bucks play more consistently and who knows, maybe one day they'll give us a 48 minute performance would be really nice if we could get one this weekend in Miami. Although, you know, a back-to-back game tomorrow and then a Saturday at noon tip. I mean, come on schedule makers like WTF, like what, what, what are you doing? Miami, Miami nightlife on Friday and then a Saturday afternoon tip that that's just cruel. So yes, we, we will, we will see how the bucks fare, but obviously two and zero to start this road trip. Like, you know, I don't want to bury the lead. Like that's really important. Um, but it still feels like, man, they really need Chris Middleton and they really need a little bit of a, I don't know, a little bit of something, even even coming away with the win tonight. Well, I'm not sure if Dwayne Dedman's going to be there. I think he got suspended for one game for throwing a massage gun on the court in a bizarre scenario. I was watching the game live. I thought someone launched something from the crowd, but no, no, it was just uh, Dwayne getting a little bit frustrated at Eric Spolstra, his head coach. And if he continues acting like that, he'll be looking for a new job. And people will look at his resume and say, uh, this guy throws massage guns. I'm not sure if this is the type of person we want to hire, which brings me to LinkedIn jobs. Because if you are looking for a new candidate for a job, you want to skip the bad stuff. You don't want someone that's throwing a massage gun on a court uh, if they're a basketball player. And LinkedIn jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. They go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post company and their $875 million member $875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. Identify those candidates on LinkedIn jobs and connect with them fast and for free. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy, and they help you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnMBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnMBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Now, Grayson Allen exited this game uh, just before halftime. So he had a tweaked ankle. So we should mention that. We'll see how he's looking for these uh, next couple of games here. Was that the first Grayson lob 
finish with seeing Frank because it was pretty nice. You're on mute there, but uh, let me bring Drew, Drew had to throw a much nicer lob for Grayson Allen than he did for Giannis <laughs> in game five of the finals a couple years ago. Let's just say that, but yes. it was pretty much perfect. And I think Drew shot a, a pull-up three in transition earlier in the game that kind of, I think, teed up him to, to throw that lob because the defender maybe took a little bit of a step toward him um, when he was coming down the floor. And let's just be honest, the defenders, you've got Grayson Allen behind you. You know, you're not treating him like like Giannis lurking for, for a lap. So, yeah, nice nice little dunk for for Grayson. And, I mean, who knows, right, like what this means as far as his avail availability. I would certainly assume he's probably not going to play on Wednesday night in Miami. And, hey, silver lining people, everybody likes seeing Marshawn Bochamp. And he started the second half tonight. Uh, had some decent moments tonight. I mean, three of nine from the field, two of seven from three. But uh, four assists, which I'm just going to go on a limb and say that's absolutely a career high from him. A couple nice ones. A couple of nice passes, yeah. I, I'm i not going to go ahead and say that, like, Marjan's, like, suddenly, like, a great passer or even a good passer. I think it's a, an area of his game that he, he absolutely needs to, to build on and work on. But, you know, we saw that pass from him the other day, kind of a wraparound pass in Toronto leading Brooke Lopez along the baseline for, for a play. He had a nice little um, drive where he drew the defender and flipped it over to Brooke for an and one tonight. Um, so again, like just those little things, the awareness, um, you know, is, is obviously just good to see him developing that because like when I look at his game and when I say like, what are the things that are going to limit him as far as being like a high level playoff player? I think the two obvious things are just the ball handling, right? Like I, I haven't noticed it as much, like no turnovers tonight, but especially early in the season, season, anytime he drove to the basket, it felt like teams were able to just kind of strip the ball away, just not being strong enough on the ball. Um, and then the passing, right? Just not being a high-level passer. And so if, if you have limitations as a ball handler and a passer, obviously it kind of limits kind of your ceiling as a player offensively if if you're really just a guy that that is finishing plays. And again, as a rookie, you know, <laughs> nobody's asking him to quarterback the offense or anything like that. Uh, but I think we've seen improved stuff from him over the course of the season, just as far as, you know, having a better sense of, you know, the, the spacing on the court, knowing when he can kind of manipulate the defense a little bit, bend the defense a little bit um, to create openings, to, to make passes to teammates. And again, he doesn't need to be, you know, a great passer to be a really good and really valuable NBA player. But if he can just get a little bit sharper with that, become a little more composed on the ball, it's definitely going to be, a positive thing. And, and again, we talked about the other day, right? Like not a great three point shooting night for him, but you know, two for seven, right? Like I think for someone like him, just avoiding like the O for five nights um, is good because if you balance the two for sevens with what was he two for four the other night, I think, um, you know, you're going to have a pretty good percentage at the end of the year. I think he's still around 34%. So, you know, not, not great. Um, but he's, I don't know when he shoots, like I kind of think it's going in when he's open, you know, I kind of feel like the ball's going to go in. And uh, certainly Miami will be, be another good test for him, but I'm, I'm going to guess that he's going to start on Wednesday night, given, uh, given he had previously started when the Bucks were missing some guys. And, you know, at this point, you wouldn't expect Grayson to play most likely coming off the ankle. 
And I was watching the ESPN broadcast, and we had someone in the stream said that they didn't like the ESPN broadcast. I mean, you had Mike Breen, and you had the legendary Hubie Brown, and people, for some reason, don't like Hubie. The thing I like about Hubie is that he can't control his emotions if something happens. He'll be like, oh! And that's what I'm doing on the couch as well. And by the way, the man is 89 years old, so cut this guy some slack. I thought he was pretty good. But they both uh, were talking about Marjan Beauchamp uh, in pretty positive light. And then Bochamp hit a couple of threes and Hubie was cracking up laughing. And he's like, thank goodness we said some positive things because he's playing well now. But I mentioned it before. The thing I like about Bochamp is that, um, and you can, if you want to be on the negative side of it, you can say it's because he's a rookie and he's rushed. But a lot of the times when he gets the ball, again, he, he really makes a move quickly. And a couple of those assists came because he got the ball on the perimeter, put the ball on the floor immediately. And all of a sudden you're able to find guys uh, before the defense is set. He gets the ball to Giannis immediately when he gets a rebound. He's very smart. We've spoken about that. So uh, he, he does some positive things. We did get an update before the game, Frank. Uh, Chris Middleton, so obviously everyone's curious about what's going on. Uh, Mike Budenholzer told, uh, this is from American Name Tweet, uh, Mike Budenholzer told reporters that Chris Middleton practiced yesterday, including significant five-on-five work, and basically said, look, if... The herd was in town. It would have been exactly what he would have done uh, with the herd. So it doesn't look like he's going to play in these two games against Miami based on what the comments were before the game. But hey, any updates, a good update, and particularly if you hear that Chris Middleton's competing in five-on-five stuff, Frank. Yeah, I mean, that that's the one thing you have to do typically before you play an actual NBA basketball game. So um you know, given the vagaries of Bud's previous updates, uh, yeah, I would treat that as as certainly a, a clear positive. And as you said, we'll we'll see if maybe we see him. I, would, I wouldn't expect necessarily you know Wednesday night, but you know maybe or sorry Thursday night, but who knows, right? Um, hope springs eternal, Kane. Uh, maybe maybe, maybe just maybe. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Um, maybe just maybe. Saturday, a little Saturday afternoon, Chris Middleton. I don't know. Um, I, I certainly would say they they could definitely use Chris Middleton coming back. And I'm very curious. Um, I mean, does Giannis even play Thursday night coming off this game, given the way he looked 35, I mean, 35 minutes tonight. So he didn't play like a crazy amount, but, um, you know, maybe he needs um, a night off. So I, I part of me is kind of almost like expecting them to to punt this game on Thursday night against the Heat and and maybe just try to regroup for Saturday, which feels, <laughs> feels like a dangerous bargain. Um, although I will say this, the, the Bucks have had, I feel like for a long time, like we've done this, like, oh, Giannis without his nap, right? Well, we can't, you know, it's a bad thing. Or the Bucks in afternoon games, you know, are this this big issue. But um, they've, had, they've had plenty of success in matinee games as well. I mean, they beat the Heat, I think, twice in uh in their playoff series a couple of years ago i think i want to say game one and game four were both afternoon games that the bucks won um so it is possible for the bucks to win uh while the sun is out but um yes uh, i don't know um and so i think someone someone i think made someone made a comment earlier just about like well nba players can't stay up stay out all night the, the funny part i don't know if the bucks officially have a curfew or anything like that um Interesting. I know there was a big deal because Chris Paul set a curfew for the Suns during their playoff series last year. And that was considered this like big deal. Um, and I think I've heard other things were saying like, if teams are playing, like, if you're playing like a good team, then the curfew will be like 2 AM 
And if it's a bad team, we'll be like, ah, maybe there's not a curfew. Uh, honestly, I'm not even worried so much about like the curfew stuff. It's, it's not so much that I'm worried about that so much as just like when they're in nice places, usually like, especially given how old the Bucks are, like their families show up. <laughs> basically the bigger threat when the bucks are on the road is when like their families are all in town in like New York or who knows, like, I, I don't, I don't know if, if uh, families are coming down to Miami, but would not surprise me at all, given they're going to be there a few days if the families are going to be in town. And so it just in- introduces a bunch of variables, you know, on a road trip that like you don't necessarily normally have to deal with where it's just like, you know, you and the team and you're just trying to focus on the night tonight work. So, um, so yeah, maybe it's not Miami nightlife that that is the threat so much as, um, Miami family time that uh, that could be the Bucks threat here in terms of distraction. Uh, maybe, maybe again, maybe not for the Thursday night game, but but for Saturday. So, uh, but anyway, we can probably kind of make stuff up like that as much as we want because Atlanta, another house of horrors for the Bucks of late, seemingly. And uh, you know, again, got some help with the injury report with with Trey out and Capella out, but uh, yeah, still, we did not get the easy win that uh, that we had hoped for at halftime. Well, it wouldn't surprise me if CP3 put a limit on the amount of partying for the Phoenix Suns because he put a limit on the amount of games they could win in the 2021 NBA Finals. Two was enough for CP3 and the Phoenix Suns. Uh, all right. Uh, one thing we have to actually bring up, uh, Drew Holiday's behind the backboard oh. shot. Michael New in the uh, stream here was in the building. He was in the building in Atlanta. Uh, shout out to Michael. Hopefully he had a fantastic night and a Bucks win. Uh, but we've seen him do it, you know, fading away, parallel with the backboard, really high, got to get it over the corner. He was dead set taking the piss today. He was he was like behind the backboard. He didn't actually even look like he was totally out of balance. Like maybe he could have like passed it if he wanted. And he's like, screw it. I'm going dead set over the li- literal back of the backboard. Nothing but net. That was a thing of beauty, Frank. I mean, I feel like we've been building to this moment for the last like year or two because <laughs> I feel like he's become more and more brazen in taking those behind the back, like you know, angle, bad angle baseline shots. But this was this was way beyond what we've ever seen him yes. do. I mean, yes. he was he literally shot it over the entirety of the backboard. And I believe he kind of bricked one off the side of the backboard in the first half, um, taking a much better angle shot than than what he took there. Um, I guess in the third quarter, but yeah, that was, um, that was pretty incredible. I was actually, I, I, part of me was, I was, um, I was half like wondering if they were going to whistle that, you know, an out of bounds violation because, um, you know, I think if I don't know, it might even have been in Atlanta, but if you've ever seen that shot of Larry bird shooting Mm -hmm. basically the same shot and the referees basically whistled it dead and said like, no, you can't shoot it over the backboard like that. Um, I don't know. I mean, cause that's the thing, right? Like the, it, the only issue is if it touches like some yeah. part of the stanchion or whatever. So I don't know if that was even like a, a valid call, but, but yeah, I mean, it's just like, we don't even, we're not even used to seeing <laughs> like no. how often do you see a guy shoot from that side of the backboard when it's not like an after the play type thing. It was just a, just a wild shot. So, uh, so yeah, don't, don't test Drew, Drew holiday in a game of horse. Cause he's going to, just going to break out the behind the backboard shots all day long um and uh and take all your money um shout out to drew holiday drew it's good to have you back it's good to have you playing major minutes and um i had visions of uh game six of the eastern conference finals against atlanta when drew had to kind of 
put the Bucks on his back a bit. And uh, I don't know. I'm just thinking about that. You remember that one that in the fourth quarter, he had that one like incredible drive and like double pump layup finished when the game was getting a little bit, a uh, little bit hairy. Was that even game six? I'm, I'm, I'm maybe I'm like conflating like, you know, one of the other games with it, but I think I thought it was the the game they won in Atlanta without Giannis, but uh, yeah, shout out to, shout out to our guy, Drew. Um, and uh, one more shout out to, for Brooke Lopez. What a, what a guy. Keep, keep, that one Brooke, more. keep up, keep that Brooke Lopez all-star hype wagon going. I saw, I by the way, I saw John Hollinger and, Somebody else from the athletic. It was like a double feature. They had uh, Drew uh, on their All Star East All Star picks. They did not have Brooke on it. He was in kind of the honorable mentions. But uh, I would be thrilled for either of them to make the All Star team. And you know, honestly, I think it's one of those things. If the Bucks can be top two in the East, I feel like it'll help. Um, but part of me also like every year around the All Star break, like I, I feel like I think they may have even said this in the thing. They're like, oh well, you know. Drew Holiday he hasn't made an all-star team in a long time, but he's a guy that coaches appreciate. The reason he doesn't make the all-star team is the coaches never vote for him, guys. <laughs> what the heck? Coaches, you're supposed to appreciate defense and all like the winning plays and all that crap that Drew Holiday does all the time. And then you never vote for, for the all-star team. Like, come on, man. Like last year, you know, freaking Darius Garland makes the all-star team over Drew Holiday. Like, can we show some respect for the guys that have done it at the highest levels? Like, God damn, give Drew Holiday some love. Who would you, who would you rather see make the all-star team this year? If you had to pick one game, would you rather see Drew or, or Brooke get the nod? Big bad Brooke. <laughs> Why? I just think that because the defensive stuff that he's done, I mean, let's face it, the offense has been putrid for most of the year outside of Giannis being able to get you 30 plus a night. And, uh, the amount of, I think the number is seven. Not five Drew, plus. not not broken Drew, but you're talking about the team, obviously. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the team and just Brooke, I think the seven uh, plus five block, uh, five block games. Like some of the defensive stuff has just been absurd. And uh, I mean, let, let's face it, I would love either of them, and I don't know if either of them are going to make it. But I also just think Brooke Lopez would be tremendous content you'd be able to get from All-Star Weekend <laughs> with the mic'd up stuff and all the kind of crazy stuff. I just think it would be absolutely hilarious. So uh, give me Brooke, but it's a coin flip. We love them both. I I think I would rather see Drew make it just because I think Drew has, you know, he should have probably made it at some point yes, in yes. the last few years. And I, I, can't remember who, I can't remember who tweeted this. Was it... Brett Usher might've been the guy on Twitter who tweeted it, but someone made the point that like there's hasn't been anybody who's been better over the last 10 years without making an all-star team than Drew Holiday, which seems like a very fair, you know, um, point to make. Obviously it doesn't mean that he has to make, um, has to make the all-star team this year or something like that. But, uh, but I think with, with Brooke, it, there's a little bit more of like a novelty factor to it, right? Because the injury last year, and I don't think any of us were, you know, pounding the table for Brooke to make the all-star team in his previous three seasons in Milwaukee. Um, I, but I, I mean, I agree. I, I, between who's actually been more valuable to the bucks, it's hard to pick. Although I think one of the interesting stats is like, if you look at like the difference, the on off ratings, like drew is just miles ahead of everybody. Like Giannis included, like, I think, I think the bucks are like 14 points per 100 better with drew on the floor than, than anybody or, 
well, 14 points per 100 better with, with him on the floor versus off. And Brooke is like barely positive, I think, which kind of, which really surprised me. Cause I thought like, Oh, they must be so much better defensively with Brooke on the floor that he must have this terrific on off rating, but it's actually not really particularly notable. But again, I mean, that's not the over index on that stat, but I think, I think we've seen, especially with the, the, the lack of offensive firepower when Drew is not playing and you've been without Chris Middleton all year, you really notice it. So yeah, I'll give it to, um, I'll give it to, to, to Drew, but to get either guy in would, would be awesome. And honestly, it's, I don't know. I mean, if the bucks are like a top two seed, like, let's see if they can get there. Then, um, then I think, I mean, they deserve to, right. And there's probably gonna be some really mediocre teams that get two all-stars and it's kind of like, come on, let's show some love for the books, for the bucks. Um, but Michael, we didn't talk about Michael. You're going to tell Michael and new, no, is it like Australian? Like, no. Um, asked, does Frank know Katie George? I do not know Katie George. I mean, other than like we follow each other on Twitter and I, she, she called, she was the silent reporter for ESPN tonight, which is cool because we're obviously coming full circle previously working for the Bucks. I mean, you know, Katie, cause you guys were on the beat together. So, you know, Katie somewhat, um, Unfortunately, I don't. I, don't. <laughs> I, I could definitely see her. I could see her giving you shit um, in, a, in a in a joking way um, on on the Bucks beat together. You and like you and and Eric and Katie and whoever and and uh, Matt Velasquez, right? There's like yeah. the four of you at at Bud Scrums in the eighteen nineteen season. Yep, she did not stop. It was endless, endless, and none of it was funny. Uh, not a humorous lady at all, it's fair to say. But uh, <laughs> no, it was good to see her. It was good to see Katie on the broadcast for sure, no doubt about that. Uh, tell you what else would be good to see. That's a game-to-game podcast on the Locked On NBA feed. Make sure you check it out. You get short recaps of every game from tonight, and I got some unfortunate news during this podcast that I sent my recap through and it had no audio. So i got to go record that again, which is... Uh, a tough break for me on a Thursday afternoon as I'm trying to wrap things up. I'm hanging out with Dirk tomorrow. Dirk Nowitzki is out in Australia, so I'm hanging out with him tomorrow, which would be good fun. Uh, wow. Always Humble always, brain. always a likable guy, would you say? Hard not to like Dirk. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and that, just a couple more transitions. or Not that transition. Somebody just commented on your transitions. You're uh, a, couple, a couple more comments uh, from the from the chat here. Where is Matt V? Matt, Matt is, I believe Matt is editing for The Athletic now, right? Um, and he lives in Indianapolis. Yeah, his wife, I think, was, uh, what is she doing, like her, her residency? She was, she thinks she was medical school. Um, so he yep. moved there. So he can't do a, be a Bucks beat guy, but he is doing, doing stuff for, for The Athletic. Um, and then uh, there was one other, wait, there was one other, there's one other comment that I figured we'd, we'd answer. Do the Bucks retire 11? Question asked by Q. Is that, is that, I don't think it's your boy Q, Kane, but it's it's Q in the <laughs> chat. Um, that is a fascinating question. Do the Bucks retire Brooke Lopez's number? I think Chris Milton's a no-brainer. I think Drew Holiday's number will be retired. You know, the fact that they won a championship, he's gonna have, you know, hopefully another few more really high-level seasons. Um, I think Brooke is really an interesting question, though. I would probably say no. If he gets his contract extended, which obviously we all hope, and he kind of, you know, continues to play at a high level, obviously he can't play forever. Um, 
I think there's an outside chance of it. Um, I don't think there's anybody else like, like as much as I love like Bobby, like Bobby or Pat Connaughton, like those guys aren't going to have their number retired um, no matter how long they're here. But with Brooke, it's possible. I'd say it's possible. I would not say I would expect it if they won like another championship and Brooke was a huge part of it or something like that. um, Or if he wins defensive player of the year, um, which I saw at least one media poll had him as the favorite, which is cool. Um, Then I think there's a, there's at least a, a decent small chance of it, but, um, but maybe that's like a 20, 25% chance, but I don't know, Kane, how much, how much Brooke Lopez Jersey retirement optimism are you feeling? I'll tell you what, I'll hang it up in the rafters in my house. There's no doubt about that. But if he wins the defensive player of the year, as someone pointed out in the stream, uh, certainly a second championship, I think it's a lock. Uh, and the other thing is the Bucks have been, let's be honest, they've, they've, and all the guys were sensational players, all-time players for the franchise, but they got, they did hang quite a few numbers uh, in the past, which makes you think when someone's had such a big impact as Brook Lopez has top four player on a championship team that broke a 50-year drought. Uh, someone, co- I'm not sure the exact number, a Q it was, who said there are like six guys from 1971. I don't have the number off the top of my head, but I've always thought with Jersey retirements, you know, Chicago doesn't retire anyone's. There are other teams that retire them easily. In my opinion, the Bucks have set a precedent this team already is historic for winning the title in 2021. So anything further from here, and if Brooke extends and has another couple of years, then he builds his case. So he's been sensational. I wouldn't have a problem with it, but right now I'd say it's on the fringe. Uh, what's not on the fringe is the end of this podcast, Frank. I'm getting the heck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go record your thing that screwed up, and um, I will pray for Giannis to rediscover his eight-foot jump hook. Yeah, I mean, hey, that would be lovely. But the Bucks. I'm just Michael, Michael, who confirmed his name is the French pronunciation, so Michael no. I just request, asked if AJ Green's number is getting retired. I I underestimated AJ Green. He's been playable. Shout out to AJ Green. Uh, I don't foresee yeah. him having his number retired though. That is my official. Yep, strong finish. All right, Bucks in the heat tomorrow. We'll be watching that game. We'll be here after that game. Make sure you join us. Subscribe to Locked On Bucks wherever you get your podcasts. Hit the bell on YouTube. Turn notifications on everywhere else. And you'll know when we drop the latest show. Thanks for joining us tonight. Hopefully, uh, everyone's in a good mood. The Bucks win again. Catch you tomorrow.